Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? All right. Well, mixed results, mixed results. Maybe everybody's a little tired this morning. Um, We are getting ready to launch into a brand new series through the book of Ephesians. Um, If you've been with us, we just finished a four-week series on Hope is here. And we talked about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Well, we are going to change gears just a little bit. And for those of you who are familiar with Ephesians, uh, Ephesians is kind of broken down into two main segments. And conveniently, that's split into three chapters. So there's three chapters, and then it kind of switches gears, and there's three more chapters. So what we are going to do, just to give you a preview of what's to come, is we're going to spend about five weeks going through the first half of the book of Ephesians, and then we're going to take a little break. And we're going to change gears and we're going to go through a five-week Advent series. And then once that's done, we're going to come back and pick up the second half of Ephesians. So for those of you who don't like really long sermon series, this is perfect for you because you only got to pay attention for five weeks and then five weeks and then five more weeks. Um, But all joking aside, we will get there. It's hard to believe that we are halfway through October and we're already talking about a Christmas series. Uh, It feels like Christmas is right around the corner, although according to the retailers, they've been ready for Christmas for months now. So pretty soon we're just going to skip Halloween and Thanksgiving altogether and just go straight from 4th of July to Christmas, or at least that's what it feels like. So we are going to jump in to a new series. So if you're here, you are in the right place, or if you're part of our online audience, you're in the right place and you're going to be on track as we start with part one. And one of the things we're really going to be focusing on is our identity. And not just our identity, but our identity in Christ. You know, we hear a lot of talk today about identities and about people who are confused about their identities. And we even hear a lot about people who are stealing one another's identities. But we're going to talk about our identity in Christ, which is something that can't be stolen. So what I want to take a look at first, and I want to ask you a question, and that's, what are you into? What is it that you are into. If somebody were to say, uh, Mark Oldham, what are you into? What do you do? I mean, I know a little bit about Mark, and I know that Mark uh, likes to work on cars. That's one of his passions. That's one of his hobbies. So if somebody were to say, hey, Mark, what are you into? He might say, I'm I'm into fixing up old cars. That might be one of the things that he might say. And, And I just learned that Brother Glenn Roberts would probably say the same thing, which I did not know that about him until recently. The skates over here, if we were to say, hey, what are you, David and Nugget, what are you guys into? They would probably say, Bible Bowl. We're into Bible Bowl. We all have things that we are into. Now, I put kind of a snapshot on the screen uh, of some of the things that I'm into. And you see Disneyland and you see the Dallas Cowboys, um, who I'm very depressed about today because they are not on TV here in Southern California today. Um, But that's a story for another day, I guess. Uh, I love my truck, and those of you who know me know that I love trucks. I love Cardinals baseballs. I love shark diving. And the last one that you may not recognize is HIU, and that's Hope International University, which is the school that I attend because I believe in being a lifelong learner, and I believe in the value of education. So most of you know I am finally coming towards the end of my time uh, at Hope International University. But these are some of the things that I'm into. And if you were to ask me, hey, Aaron, what are you into? These might be some of the things that I might answer with, depending on the day of the week. But see, that's not where my identity lies. These are hobbies. 
These are things that I, I may be even a little too passionate about when it comes to things like football. But that's not who I am. That's just the things that I'm into and the things that I'm interested in. Now, don't misread this. There is nothing wrong with having hobbies and interests. But it shouldn't define us as far as who we are. So here's the question that I want to ask you today. And I want you to put a lot of thought into this. And I want you to think about this as we unpack the first chapter of Ephesians. And that is, are you in Christ? It's a very simple question with a very complex answer. Are you in Christ? Is that where your identity lies? Or does it lie with our, our previous screen where we, where we looked at some hobbies and some activities and things like that? Or do we truly identify as a Christian? Do we truly identify as someone who is in Christ? Because one of the things that we're going to look at today as we unpack the first chapter of Ephesians is the amazing things that you get when you are in Christ. And then we'll wrap up by talking about how do we get into Christ or how do we become someone who is truly in Christ. So let's give a little context here. Let's talk about the city of Ephesus because we can't do an exegetical study through a book of the Bible if we don't understand what was going on in the time and the place. Now we know this is a letter written by Paul and it was written to the church at Ephesus. But you got to kind of understand what was going on at this time because this will give you a frame of reference as to what Paul is talking about or what it is that Paul wants you to know. This was a powerful city, the city of Ephesus. It was probably at this given time the second most important city, the first being Rome. So this would have been kind of number two. It's thought that the population at this time would have probably been over 200,000 people living in the city of Ephesus. So this was an important city. Now, it's no coincidence that this was also a port city. Because remember, they didn't have high-speed trains, and they didn't have 18-wheeled semi-trucks. When you moved goods and services, when you shipped things, it went by boat. So what we find is most of the important cities in this time were either on major crossroads or trading roads or trading routes, or they were port cities. The city of Ephesus was very much about money. It was about prestige, and it was about power, and they were into magic. And I know that sounds a little bit strange on the surface, because when we think of magic, you know, we think of David Copperfield or somebody like that standing in front of you doing a card trick or, or juggling or, or pulling handkerchiefs out of his sleeves and things like that. But, but magic was a big deal. They looked at magic almost the way we look at our spiritual lives. And that was a problem. And the last one is sex or sexual immorality was running rampant in the city of Ephesus. Now we got to remember, Ephesus was the second most powerful city next to Rome. And Rome being the major power means that they also worshiped gods and goddesses. And they built these ridiculous, uh, ridiculously elaborate temples where they worship these gods. And it wasn't the God that you and I worship. So, so this is some of the background that Paul is dealing with. Now, let's also think about Paul's situation. But Paul was writing to the people in Ephesus 
with these things, and these are just some of the things, of course, that were involved. So he's writing to an audience. This is the church at Ephesus. And he's trying to say, look, you can be in Christ as you are in Ephesus, despite all of these things that are going on. Now, what qualifies Paul to say this? Where was Paul when he wrote this? He was in prison, right? Paul was in prison, but he was also in Christ. See, that situation, that circumstance, that geographical location didn't determine Paul's identity. Paul didn't just say, I'm in jail. What can I do? I don't need to do anything. I don't need to continue doing the work of, of the Lord. I'm in prison surrounded by these people who I don't even want to describe, these criminals. Paul had a lot going on. Now, keep in mind, too, that time and place, when Paul wrote this, it, it wasn't our modern prison system today where he had this nice cell and had Wi-Fi and a, and a small TV in the corner and, and a bed, and he, he got three square meals a day. When you do the research into this time and place, sometimes they wouldn't get fed at all. Sometimes prisoners wouldn't get fed for days. And if they did, it was some scraps of bread and maybe some water if they were lucky. But yet Paul said, my circumstances don't define me. That's not my identity. My identity is a follower of Christ. And my identity is someone who is still doing the work of the Lord despite my circumstances. And that's where we find ourselves. And that's where I want to pick up. So if you have your Bibles or you have your Bible app, I want to encourage you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. Now, he starts out his letter like he started out many of his letters with just your typical kind of greeting that you would see. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, I mentioned earlier he was writing to the church, and this is how we know that he was writing to the church, right? Because he says, I'm writing to the people who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I asked you a question at the beginning of our lesson today, and I asked you if you are in Christ. And I want you to pay attention at how many times throughout this passage we see that phrase, in Christ, in him, in Jesus. Because that's going to be important for us. Verse 2 says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's basically just saying, hey, I hope you guys are doing well. It would be the equivalent of you writing a letter to someone, which I know is a little archaic these days. Let's call it an email, where you say, uh, hello there, Michael. Uh, I hope you're doing well. That's kind of what Paul's doing is he's opening this letter in a very traditional format. Verse 3 says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There's that word again, that phrase again, in Christ. Now again, Paul is writing from prison. And what does he do at the very beginning of his letter? He still says, praise be to God. He doesn't say, oh, woe is me. Please feel sorry for me. My life is terrible. I'm in prison for doing the Lord's work. Woe is me. Pity me. No. He says, praise God. Now, I want, to, I want you to focus on the third to the last word there where it says, every spiritual blessing in Christ. As we continue with this passage, we're, gonna un, we're, gonna, we're just going to uncover some amazing blessings that you get in Christ when you are in Christ. Christ. But here it's the important word. You got to back up one word where it says the spiritual blessings. 
See, we've lost track of this word blessing somewhere along the way. And now everything we do is hashtag blessed, right? I got a new car, hashtag blessed. I got a raise, hashtag blessed. I got a new job, hashtag blessed. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the physical blessings that we get when we're in Christ. We're talking about the spiritual blessings that we get when we're in Christ. Because, see, we don't always get those physical things that we want. But the Bible doesn't promise that. The Bible doesn't say, if you'll be faithful and you'll be in Christ, while you're here on earth, you'll have a mansion. Or you'll have that car that you've always wanted. No, we're promised those things in heaven. We're not promised those things here. So I want you to remember that as we move forward in this scripture, we're talking about the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. It says, for he chose us in him. There's that word again. In him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. It says he predestined us for adoption to the sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, before anybody gets mad at me, that predestined word causes a lot of issues for us sometimes. And people say, oh, you believe in predestination. You believe in Calvinism. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that God predestined every single one of us to be in him and to spend eternity in heaven. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about Calvinist predestination, which says you're going to heaven and you're not, and you're going to heaven and you're not. That's not what we're talking about. His plan for us that is clearly laid out in scripture is that we should all be saved and go to heaven. That's the predestination that we're talking about. It doesn't mean that once you're predestined, it doesn't matter what you do. And we're going to talk about the steps of salvation. It, it, it means that he loves you enough that he wants you to be in him. He wants you to have your identity in him. And if you'll do that, then you get the rewards and you get the spiritual blessings. It says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. We're talking about grace. See, grace is when you get something that you didn't deserve. And see, we got that gift in Jesus Christ, and that's exactly what he's talking about. The one that he freely gave, the one that he loves. See, God sent Jesus to die for your sins because of the grace that he gives us, because of the love that he has for you and me. I'll tell you right now, it wasn't because we deserved it. And it's not because we deserve it now. It's because of his love for us. And that's what he's talking about. That's what Paul's trying to say. Verse 7 says, in him, there it is again, in him we have redemption through his blood. In him we have redemption. Say that with me. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. See, that's a spiritual blessing that you get when you're in Christ. Let's keep reading. It says, through his blood. Gary just talked about this when he talked about his communion, uh, his communion thought. That we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It says, the forgiveness of sins. 
We are forgiven. See, when we're in Christ, we are forgiven. That's one of those spiritual blessings that you get when you're in Christ. It says, according with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Now, I love that that word lavished is used because he's talking about the grace that we get from God and that he lavishes it upon us. And I don't know what you think about when you think of lavish, but when I think of lavish, I think of extreme. I think of over the top. When we talk about getting lavish gifts and things like that, right? It's kind of that, that idea of, of lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? It's over the top. It's the gold toilet, right? I, that's a real thing, I swear. I don't have one, but it's a real thing. But, but I love that he, Paul uses that word that he lavishes it upon us. He just gives it and gives it and gives it. He lavishes that grace upon us all. Verse 9 says, And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. There's that word again, in Christ. It says, To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. There's that idea of unity. And we talk about unity. We talk about unity in this country. We talk about unity in this church. We talk about unity as Christians. And hopefully we're always striving for that unity. Will we probably ever achieve it here on earth? Probably not. But one day, one day in heaven, it'll be there and it'll be perfect. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about. See, that's God's goal, is to bring unity to his people. And he's been trying to do that since the beginning. He's been trying to do that since the Old Testament. He's been trying to bring his people together. And we just keep messing it up. And that's where that grace and that forgiveness and that redemption comes in. It says, in him, there's the word again, in him, we were also chosen. We were chosen. See, there's that, that idea of being predestined for sonship, predestined for adoption. We are chosen. I want you to say that with me. I am chosen. Now, if that doesn't make you feel good, if that doesn't bring a smile to your face, to know that God has chosen you to have a relationship with you and that he wants to spend eternity with you, then I don't know what will. But brothers and sisters, we're chosen. We were chosen by the creator of the universe to spend eternity in the most amazing place that you could possibly imagine. Verse 12 says, In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. 13 says, And you were also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. He's talking about the plan of salvation. You got to hear the gospel. You got to believe the gospel. You got to repent. You got to be baptized and then live faithfully. It's the steps of salvation. For those of you who grew up in the church of Christ, you've had that hammered into your head since you were probably five years old. But it's just as true today as it was when you were five years old. 
Now, for a lot of us, five years old was a long time ago. <laughs> but I don't know about you, but when you hear it over and over and over, and that's the point, right? But that's exactly what he's talking about in a nutshell in verse 13. Now, he doesn't draw out the entire thing, but that's exactly what he's talking about. When you heard the truth, when you believed the truth, when you repented and you were baptized of the truth, you were marked. Now, he talks about being marked with a seal. Now, to us, it's hard to think about seals the way that they did back then. But, but back in this time frame, right, they, they would have poured hot wax on a letter or on any kind of a document or a scroll, and they would have stamped it. And sometimes it was a ring that they wore that had the signet on it, and sometimes it was a stamp. But they had this seal. The seal meant that it was going to go to its intended recipient untouched. It was, that, that's how you knew that your package, your scroll, your letter made it to its intended location unharmed, untouched, and unspoiled. How many of you get an Amazon box and when it's on your front porch, it's already open and you go, whoa, 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 wait, what just happened here? See, that box wasn't sealed when you got it. But you and I are sealed with the Holy Spirit because, see, when we get baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what guides us. And that's what seals us for God. And that's exactly what Paul is reminding us about in verse 13. Verse 14 said, Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. I like how he says the Holy Spirit is a deposit. He's given us this deposit. And when you think about deposits, right? You think about this deposit is something that you give and then you get it back at some point, right? If you're a good boy and girl, you get your deposits back, right? If you pay your bills, if you don't tear up your apartment, right? You get your deposits back. And that's what he's talking about, is that it's a deposit. So, trying to, trying to hurry this along because we had a lot of announcements today. When you're in Christ, according to the scripture that we just read, you're holy. Now, that, that word holy, we kind of throw that around, right? And, and sometimes we kind of, oh, wait, I'm not holy. God's holy. Well, that's true. Holy simply means you're set apart. Now, God is the supreme holy, of course. I'm not comparing us to that. But holy just means that you're set apart. That you're separate from the world. Because when you're in Christ, you're saying, look, I'm going to be in the world, but I'm not going to be of the world. And that's exactly what we're talking about with being holy. You can be at peace. Because when you're in Christ, you should have peace. We, we just spent four weeks talking about the hope that we have in Jesus. And that's where that peace comes from. Because no matter what happens to us here on earth, no matter what trials and tribulations that we go through here on earth, we can have a semblance of peace because we know that one day, if we follow the plan, we're going to spend eternity in heaven. We're blameless. We're blameless because of that grace that God offers. We don't have to be responsible for our sins because Jesus paid that price. We're adopted. We're adopted as sons and daughters to the creator of the universe. And we get that by being in Christ. We're predestined because we're all predestined to go to heaven. Right? We're all predestined to go to heaven. We just got to follow the right steps to get there. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we are forgiven. So I want to ask you this question one more time. Are you in Christ?
And I, my hope and my prayer for you is that every one of you can answer that question and say, yes, I am. I am in Christ. Or maybe you've been in Christ, but you've lost sight of that goal and you've lost track. In just a moment, Brandon's going to come forward and he's going to sing what we call the song of invitation. And maybe you've been in Christ, but you've fallen away. You know, this pandemic's been really hard on a lot of people. And sadly, some people have even walked away from their faith because they just have been afraid and they just haven't understood the things that are going on in their lives. Maybe you want to, want to have that opportunity today to come back and be in Christ again. Or maybe you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins. And to receive that seal, that gift of the Holy Spirit, you have a chance this morning to enter into a relationship where you can say, yes, I am in Christ. But either way, there's no reason for you to leave this place this morning and not be able to confidently say, I am in Christ. If we can help you in any way, if we can talk to you, if we can pray for you, if you have the wish to be baptized, we want to invite you to come forward along with our elders as we stand together and as we sing. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is free in one. I believe in the resurrection. Then we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints communion. And in your holy church. I believe